welcome to our pod. And by that, I mean on Wednesdays we read. I'm Hannah. I'm Laura. And we are two best friends who do a deep dive into a new book series, One Book at a Time. Right now we are cycling through Legendborn, and we're doing a deep dive into Tracy Dion's Legendborn series. Uh, and Hannah has a new microphone, so I sound better than last Yay. week, guys. Uh, my old microphone lasted, like, it was sad to be like, oh, this was the microphone we started the podcast with, and now it does not work. <laughs> the nostalgia is gone. Uh, Laura already lost her first one, so it's fine. Yeah, that, I, I moved on a yeah. long time ago. <laughs> Laura's like, new microphone, who? Like, no. Uh, yeah. But before we dive into the characters and themes of Legendborn, Laura, what's something you're reading watching and or enjoying so this is not something really new but i got on libro fm the hobbit with the andy circus narration i was just like you know what i'm just gonna use because i had previously listened to it via libby yeah and i was like you know what i'm just gonna use my credit this month and i'm gonna get the hobbit to own and i I'm going to get the rest of the Lord of the Rings series because I've been listening to this to fall asleep and it is the most peaceful thing that I've ever encountered. I love this narration. I don't think Travis Baldry, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but Andy Serkis may be the best narrator <laughs> that I've ever heard. Like this, It's fantastic. He sings the songs. Sorry to this man. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just so, so good. And why he didn't win any kind of Oscar for his role as Gollum is beyond me because he really needed that. And okay. sorry to interrupt you, and I'm gonna definitely yeah. let you finish. But why are audiobook? <laughs> That's I was doing that joke. I'm glad you picked up on it. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm gonna <laughs> let you finish. But like, why are some audiobook narrators just better than everyone else? And you're just like, I, what? Like, what? What's going on? <laughs> so here's the thing. I've gotten like really critical with audiobooks to the point where I will listen to the snippet and I can tell just within a matter of that snippet whether or not I will enjoy that audiobook or not mm -hmm. and it's I'm so like picky about a person's voice and how they're going to narrate it that I'm just like nope that's not gonna work for me I can't do it mm -hmm. and yeah and I also will listen to especially I have this problem especially with romances I think which I listen to a lot of romances yeah but I'll listen to them and I'll think I could have narrated this better <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes people are not very animated no you know what i mean and they don't get they don't and have the she right said, voice uh, for the story. talk to me just like that and you're just yeah like, That's pretty much not sexy like what are you doing exactly where they're not getting into the story or they're not i mean you don't always have to do like a bunch of different voices and everything no. to, be, to be a good narrator but I do think you need to be reading the book with some different voice inflection. And there are some narrators that I'll listen to them and I'm like, okay, the author, I wish they would have just called me. I would have read this book for them I, because I, I actually am very good at reading books out loud. I used to substitute teach and I would, granted these are children's books and middle grade books that I was reading, but, <laughs> but I did they, a very good job at it to the point where the kids were really Laura. engaged. <laughs> <laughs> and they did but i get like really into it and middle grade books like reading those out loud is my jam but sometimes you just hear one of these books and you're just like no they're not doing a good job i'm gonna have to get the print version so um obviously like great for the hobbit i recently listened to all of the hunker game books and okay. they were read by uh, tatiana maslani who was she hulk and an orphan yes. black she did such a freaking good job as Katniss. I can like, see that. Her voice was 
perfect. And she like sang the songs and it was amazing. Mm. And I just got ballads of songbirds and stinks and I listened to it all. And I was so disappointed in the narrator and Laura, you will never expect when I tell you that I did not like him as an audiobook narrator. I was oh, no. so dis- It was Santino Fontana. <laughs> And it what? was awful. Like, it was not, like, I mean, it wasn't awful, but it was not good. Like, oh my he, gosh. Okay. Ballads of Songbirds and Stakes has like multiple songs in it. And I don't know who didn't get it in Santino Fontana's contract that he should sing those as a freaking Broadway star. I was going to say, he's a he Broadway sing performer. Mm-mm. He didn't sing any of them. He just, he has the voice of an them. angel. He has the voice of an angel and he just spoke, talked to them. His voices for the different characters were really off. And the only character I liked him reading as was like, the um not uh like there's you know obviously this is a prequel the ballads mm-hmm. of songbirds and snakes and um the guy who played like the flickerman character who was like the audio like yeah, the, the announcer of the, yeah, yeah. Ce- but like caesar like the previous caesar flickerman before caesar flickerman, oh yeah okay whatever the guy that had the so, job the guy who had the job before him he was so great at that announcer voice and i was like yes this is your bread and butter is like announcer like very animated but like he mm-hmm. was supposed to be a different type of role and his voice did not match the role and i was so angry that I was listening to Santino Fontana speak songs. Like I I'm know honestly that they were shocked by that. I know, and I know that they were created for the book. So, like, obviously Suzanne Collins like would have had to have music written to these. But like, she she has Hunger Game money. I'm sure she like the movie just came out and those were sung. So like, at some point there had to have been right. music being able to do it. So like, you had Santino Fontana in a recording room. Why was he speaking those songs? I was furious every time he That's spoke a song. Weird. I was so well. Upset. And here's the thing: I think we both need to note that, like, obviously, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and The Hunger Games, they have the budget and the means to find really great narrators. The Lord of the Rings crew did it with Andy Serkis, yes, <laughs> and clearly they didn't do that with the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. <laughs> Just don't give him some notes. You know he can do it. Right. Like you just give him some notes. He'll sing it. I'm sure he's fine. But like sometimes, sometimes Santino Fontana, like obviously very amazing singer, very impressive acting. Loved him as Gregory on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Sometimes I wonder if he's a little bit of a diva, just with like some of the choices that happen, where it's like he left Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and they were like, oh yeah, totally scheduling conflicts. He didn't know if it was going to keep going or not. He left early. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But then there's like, he didn't want to come back. We hired another person. You know, like we didn't even yeah. kind of check in with him. And then like speaking the ballads of songbirds, part of me wonders if he was like, I'm not singing that. Like, yeah, that's yeah. not my job. And it's like, well, sir. That'd be extra. Like, that's, uh, you, that's why you're here. It's a, it's a musical right. book. Like, It's this ballad. I it's a ballad. Like, you know, I know that Santino Fontana is the narrator of Stephen King's The Institute, and I have listened to just the beginning of that. But I honestly, I did quit that audiobook and bought the print version because I was like falling asleep and could not remember what was happening. <laughs> so I'm wondering if maybe this just like his voice is too soothing, and maybe. He, I don't know. Maybe he's better suited for certain types of books maybe like the institute is maybe more in his realm where it's like more mysterious and he gets to have one voice throughout because it's stephen king i don't know but i i definitely can see where you're coming from thinking that maybe there's some diva vibes 
<laughs> yeah. Like I was just like, sir, what's going on? Like I just I had to put like any kind of psychology on this situation because I was that's strange baffled. though, because Santino is immensely talented that you right. know that he can sing it and do different voices. I mean, anyone who's listened to the Tootsie soundtrack knows right. that yeah. that is a possibility. The amount of times I walk around saying, I could care, but I don't. It's like out of this world because it's well, I'm just, just like thinking like fine read. Dorothy from Tootsie, he does all those voices and everything. So there's no doubt in my mind that he could have just like put on a voice and sang a song. I Yeah. And I was like, is it because I don't believe him as like a bad character? And I was like, no, he's in Frozen movies. Like he is someone who should be able to do this, like no notes. And I was just so upset by it. So I'm still thinking about it. It's fresh in my mind. I finished the book last week and I've been thinking about it constantly. So you bringing up yeah. audiobook narration, I was like, and another thing, Santino Fontana will not sing parts. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to get like really picky though about my audiobooks going forward. I've decided where it's just like the ones that I get on Libro are going to be ones that have to be narrated by really good narrators. Like I'm just the ones that I can be like, yep, I listened to that and it was an audiobook. That's definitely going to be my Libby experience. Mm -hmm. But I, Libro I, FM, that's you got to be top tier. You got to be Emily Wuzeller. You got to be <laughs> Travis Baldry. You got to be Andy Circus. I Googled. I Googled this and Reddit's first thing is I'm disappointed about the narrator of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes oh audiobook. So usually when I listen to the audiobooks, they have narrators that really bring out the emotions that are supposed to be portrayed. But the narration of BSS disappointed me. Santino Fontana didn't really bring any emotions and just narrated the whole book in a monotone voice. Like, what the heck? It's a freaking Hunger Games sequel you're narrating. And don't get even get me started on how he narrated Lucy uh, Gray Baird's ballad. Um, they said I didn't mind most of it, but the singing bits were horrendous. Just like, like, uh, just felt like he was reading it. This does not go towards Lucy Gray, but Snow and the like, Grand Dam go doing the anthem. Um, so, like, it, it's just like it was very weird. I wished, like, I kept saying, like, I just wish they got the original actor for Snow to do the narration because he would have brought oh, yeah, the something guy from Pride to and it. Prejudice, two thousand five. Yeah, like he would have brought something to it, but like the speak singing was just terrible. It just wasn't good. It's like, are you, are you coming to the tree? And it's like, what are you doing? Like, you know the melody. You know the melody. Tatiana sang it beautifully. You're telling me you didn't listen to any of her renditions? And like, she talked about like, she also, she like did an interview at one of the end of them where she's like, I've always been a huge fan. When I got this opportunity, I like jumped on it. I'm so thrilled to be here. And it's like, it feels sure. like Santina was like, Santino was like dragged kicking and screaming into this role. I was so upset. Interesting. Sorry, you were talking so beautifully. What else have you been so the so hobbit I've, I've been just loving this because right. <laughs> i'm someone who has to listen to things to go to sleep like yeah 99 percent of the time i'm listening to asmr and i i'm a huge fan of asmr like if you need any asmr rex i've i've got you but i just started listening to the hobbit to fall asleep and it's the most peaceful thing and i don't know if it's because i've read it so many times that it's just like i can fall asleep to this and it doesn't bug me versus like i know they always have the option to like set a sleep timer on your audiobooks or whatever if it's a book that i haven't read i'm less likely to do that because i don't right. want to miss something and then be like Okay, so I'm at chapter three, but I totally don't remember what happens in chapter two. 
Right. So, so it's a lot easier with The Hobbit to just listen to it and fall asleep. And then I can pop back in and be like, oh, okay, cool. We're at this point. But Andy Circus is phenomenal. And it's it's pretty much like listening to the movie. It It's so good. Okay. I... I love it so much. I think I've wrecked this before and I've talked about it with other people. Like when Critter XD came on, we were sharing our love for this narration. But Yes, you guys were. This is phenomenal. If you are a LOTR, The Hobbit fan, obviously get those because they're just great. They're so good. Maybe I should do a reread of Lord of the Rings via audiobooks so that I can finally appreciate them the way they're supposed to and put some respect on them. Did you read did you read all of them? Did you read Return of the King? Yep. I've read oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Now. I wasn't sure if you had finished the series. I have finished the series. Um it's they're okay. Like <laughs> they're okay. just not quite a hand Not book, your jam. But yeah, I just feel like there's just a lot of talk about wars and you know me and battle scenes. Um That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why we thought I would be like perfect for those, but it's just like, oh, I'm just reading battle scenes. Am I paying attention? <laughs> I, I I have like obviously a sentimental attachment to them because I read them when I was younger. Right. I, I love the movies. I think the movies, the movies are, are the best adaptations I've probably ever seen. But yeah, I don't I have, have respect like, for myself for disliking these books before people like come at us anywhere. I don't have respect for myself for disliking these books. I don't think it makes me sound cool or anything. They just happen to be books that I think are fine. Like I think I, think I gave fine to just three, say like three stars. Hey, this is not my jam. Like they're that's, so well written. It's okay. fine. And I think like so many people are like, I and here's hate the thing: the there's and I'm plenty like, of people like that love them. <laughs> Yeah, there are plenty of people out there. Who I don't think the Tolkien estate books. is like hurting because one person is like, yeah, You're sitting there they're just, just okay. Wanting <laughs> Hannah to be obsessed with these books. Just why isn't she into us? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're texting I, I think like, they're fine. I've tried so many times to get her to like chat and respond to me and she just won't. Yeah, um, they're fine. I got, I got engaged at a little Hobbit area house. Okay, guys? You're like, putting in the work. We're fine. I'm putting in the work. Okay. You're attempting. I have, I have seen the first Hobbit movie. I have read The Fellowship of the Rings multiple times. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say, like, I like the Hobbit movies, but they're not my favorite. I, I And here's the thing. I saw them multiple times in theaters, all of them, all three of them. And I just, I prefer the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, I think the yeah. Hobbits are fine, the movies, but I, they're not my favorite movies. That's fair. The LOTR trilogy though the movies top notch some of my absolute favorite movies but yeah I have very fond memories of Lord of the Rings especially Return of the King because I can remember I, I think I was like a freshman when I was reading that in high school and I can remember like being under my covers with a flashlight reading that book like I, I love that one oh good but yeah this I'm probably gonna get the rest of this series and just like listen to it to fall asleep for several months now <laughs> so good and i love andy circus good so much um what else did i read i I'll, i'm not done with the habit so you'll hear about this for several weeks oh, I'm as sure. i'm falling asleep even after she's done with it guys <laughs> yes you're still gonna hear about it you'll what never are you about? hear the end of this exactly so, totally different thing i read chainsaw man volume one by tatsuki fujimoto mm. and there's been so much like hype surrounding Chainsaw Man 
And so many people were saying, like, this is like a feminist story that there's a reason like women are surrounding themselves in this fandom, like they're mm-hmm. getting all into this fandom and like loving Chainsaw Man. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to read this. Like the cover didn't appeal to me at first and like the concept. <laughs> and I was like, I don't I don't know if this is my kind of story, but if this is like a feminist tale that people are like, okay, yeah, uh, I'm I'm in. So I read the first volume and I'm like this must be one that you have to have grow on you because <laughs> yeah. like, the I first don't. volume, like these are short, like manga volumes are very short where it's like 120 pages and obviously Fair. there's only like two pieces of dialogue mm-hmm. on each page. So it's not a lot of writing, but it follows Denji who is a poor person who literally has all of the worst type of situations happen to him that can possibly happen and is kept in poverty by people who are higher up and is willing to do just about anything to get out of poverty like he at one point early on in the volume eats a cigarette in order to just get a single coin in order to have some money to buy some food and denji is living in a shack his parents have died denji's living in a shack and He's living there with a devil dog, like a, a demon dog that is like part chainsaw. Okay. And what Denji does to make money is hunts demons. And this is this is must be a common theme within manga that I have not realized the hunt the hunting of demons. And I don't know what that is, if this is just like a cultural thing that people like to talk about this in their books and media. I'm unsure. Someone enlighten me, but Rooster fighter also had this demon hunting theme but anyways denji ends up being tricked at a job that he gets and is mortally wounded but had made a deal with his pet devil dog to incorporate the devil within him in order to save his life and so that's what the dog does and it turns him into chainsaw man and then this book continues to follow denji as chainsaw man who is brought into like a government society in order to hunt down devils, uh, demons, and to do away with them for the government. But Denji has like a specific list of things that he wants to accomplish in life. And one of them is to have a girlfriend and to be able to touch boobs. And it is mentioned <laughs> so many times about like, maybe I could touch her boobs. Maybe and it, he like makes an acquaintance that he does not know that well that is a woman and he's like maybe she would let me touch her boobs. I think I'm going to go along with what she wants me to do because it could be my opportunity to touch boobs. And I'm like what is happening here? Sure, my guy. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for like, sharing. Touching boobs is like uh, okay like what but <laughs> it was interesting it was not what i expected and yeah i don't know where the feminist and like yeah weird interesting woman dynamics start to come into this just this first volume i'm like i'm not a big fan of the whole like my goal in life is to touch boobs right <laughs> what it's not but that's not your like goal maybe maybe this is a long series so maybe it's something where it's like several volumes it you get into it and you're like okay now we're starting to see a shift but i don't know how willing i am to continue with after this first volume so if anyone has read chainsaw man and can give me a little more insight does it become more interesting and less about like i would like to touch some boobs (laughs) (laughs) 
Someone tell me if there's less boob touching in the next books. I mean, there isn't any boob touching. Well, that's true. If he, he finally wants touches there a to boob be. and he gets over it. If if he finally <laughs> achieves that goal and can move on to some other goals, can someone let me know Just and like, how many volumes I have to read for this oh to gosh. become like an interesting story about women and I, I and can definitely see this touching. being an an interesting story about like like society and the way that we treat poor people. Yeah, because that is prevalent from the start. But yeah, I, I'm unsure stuff. like how feminism works its way into this, and I'm more interested in why women have rallied around this and created such a big part of the fandom. Right. But uh, it it must really shift. So if anyone can enlighten me, please do so. I would love to hear, love to hear how this changes and how love many volumes you have to make it in. Thank you so much. Please <laughs> Thank DM you. here. Yeah, we we need to know. Like Hannah would be interested too, I think. I am very interested <laughs> in this. Thank you for pointing that out. Please let Tell me know. Tell us on Discord. <laughs> DM <laughs> Hannah personally. Her phone number. DM, my phone number is 555-555-5675-309. I got your number <laughs> on my wall. So <laughs> you got it. You got it got it sorry and then just like some other things i've been reading uh, i'll just tell people check out the sphinx competition the speculative fiction indie novella competition or championship mm-hmm. i think it is uh, i've been reading some books for team before we go blog and good. they've been really good so check out a lot of those books i mean these indie authors are putting in a lot of work many of these people mm-hmm. have multiple jobs and they're doing this on the side to try and pursue something that they love and to just get more people to read about fantasy and fiction stories. So yeah. please support them and check out all of these books. And some of them are so good. I can't get over it. And some of them are not long enough. <laughs> I wanted more out of some of them. Oh, that's good. So, so yeah, definitely check out that. I, I won't talk in detail on it because the competition is ongoing yeah and i don't feel comfortable doing that but yeah check out all of those involved in the competition and i would highly recommend like supporting the authors involved so yeah that's other stuff i've been reading as far as watching i can't really think of anything at the moment i could talk about some more marvel i have been re-watching Obi-Wan Kenobi on mm. Disney Plus just because I like that I like that show and I on a rewatch that, that I, I was like it a more. TV show on like I knew it but like sometimes with the Star Wars ones there's so many that you I couldn't yeah. tell you which ones are which and why they all exist but also I feel like you felt that way about Marvel for a really long time so I I still feel that way about Marvel also. honestly fair enough I come at these fandoms from different perspectives and I think it's because Star Wars seems much more accessible yeah and there's not like the high number of shows that are coming out back to back to back to back to back like within one year so there seem to be gaps with star wars where you can get caught up right even though they're still producing more stuff i did say that there is a a chainsaw man uh manga anime uh, animated series there is yes it's on hulu so i'd be interested if you watched that and let me know what you thought yeah Um, i I think it's pretty much exactly like the manga okay so well, that, that's how spy family touching. is. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So 
Yeah, I, I'm unsure. <laughs> There's no boob touching Hannah, not yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The promise of boobs. The hopefulness just, of just boobs. Dreams. Just dreams. Just dreams of right. boobs. The dreams but, of boobs. Yeah, I've been watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, rewatching that. And I I really enjoy the, that show. Like, on a rewatch, I think I like it more. Mm-hmm. I was pretty hard on it the first time through. But on a rewatch, I like it more. And I've also been rewatching star wars rebels and that's a children's animated show on disney plus but that is a really well done children's animated show and it's become just like my perfect background show if i'm doing something at home i'll just have rebels on in the background and that's good i've already watched it so i know what happens and i can just listen to them talking but i would highly recommend that one if you're going to check out any kind of animated stuff okay all right hannah you're up. What have you been reading, watching, and or enjoying? Oh, as you all know, I did not enjoy Santino Fontes. Santino Fontes. Hated that. Um, I was just very underwhelmed, sir. I'm curious, what auth- like narrators do you like? Do you have any specific ones that you're like, oh, this one's really good? I don't honestly have favorites because I honestly don't remember them all. Um, a okay. lot of times I just kind of let them wash over me. Um, so I'm not someone who like knows different ones where it's like, oh, I listened to this one. Great. Um, usually I'm one to like, I I usually know which types of audiobooks I'll like. So usually like Mm -hmm. that helps pick like narrators where it's like, oh, this one's like a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, I really liked Tatiana's uh, version of the Hunger Games. I thought that was so well done and to go straight into sure. uh, Santino's was pretty disappointing, but yeah, um, I'm also slowly still making my way through Braiding Sweetgrass, which I mentioned last week. Uh, yeah. That's that's said by the author, which I also really like. A lot of times I listen to a lot of nonfiction on audiobook mm-hmm. um, and those are often read by the authors. And I always think that that's pretty cool and pretty different. Um so I like that. Yeah, but... memoirs are usually read by the authors. Yeah. I like, I like that, too. Right. You get except more emotions for, involved. Except for Britney Spears's, which... <laughs> oh, who read hers? Michelle Williams. <laughs> How random. <laughs> like, apparently, I don't... It's, just, it's Britney Spears. She doesn't want to read her own book. She probably didn't write all of her own book. Like, she just doesn't... So Prince Harry read all 37,000 hours of his book. But, like... Were you not around for that? Like, there was, like, a huge thing about Michelle Williams uh, reading Britney Spears' memoir. (laughs) She had, like, there's a discussion of, like, Justin running into, like, a rapper. And he's like, yo, what's, like, what's the Izzy or something? And it's just, like, Oscar award-winning actress Michelle Williams going, what's the Izzy? Like. I forget what the words were, but it was like really. (laughs) I'm curious if that book was good. Um, I one of my cousins was. read it and i was like oh what, what were your thoughts like i was interested and she was like I, it's fascinating to hear this background stuff but she's a terrible writer <laughs> uh, see i'm out um so you know it's just i'm out um because people said that jessica simpson's 
because what is hers? Open book is what it's called, maybe, mm-hmm. I think. Her memoir was apparently really good. And I was like, I'm kind of surprised by that one, too. But oh, I've I've heard really good things about her memoir. No, yeah. here's uh, so there's a viral qu- clip that features Williams reading the singer's words. She continued, one day, Jay and I were in New York going and I'm going to read it just like Michelle Williams does. OK, going to parts of town I had never been to before. Walking our way was a guy with a huge blinged out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said out loud, oh yeah, faux shiz, faux shiz, genuine. What's up, my homie? <laughs> Could you imagine Oscar award winning actress, Michelle? <laughs> Say faux shiz, faux shiz. I am having trouble, but... <laughs> play you the clip if you really wanted to know that's okay that's okay <laughs> everyone should look it up oh yeah, everyone look that up uh, <laughs> i'm just gonna go with hannah's version uh it's so funny i didn't know that you didn't know about that uh, i had no idea about that like so i knew so that funny. the book came out and everything i had no idea that she did not narrate it i have heard all nope. the like stories about like all, all these terrible things surrounding yeah obviously yeah i'm sure like, like, and everything. Like, i'm done doing this like you guys could pay someone else to do this the the book will and make you know money. like she's been through it so let yeah, her do what she wants fine, at this point but, like uh but know. strange choice i yeah. wh- they Oscar honestly should have gotten what's her name from snl that does the britney spears oh yeah she impersonation good she's yeah. good uh, but I'll do a more recent books this uh, week okay. because Laura was interested in hearing my thoughts on a book, and I was like, "You have to wait for the podcast." And I've she was like, been going through my I backlog. I won't tell but, you. Yeah, I will not tell you. Um, I read the Gollum and the Ginny uh, Genie from Helene Wecker. Uh, this is a like magical realism book that's told like very much based in folklore and everything. Uh, in uh, 1899 New York uh, and there is at the beginning of the book there is a golem who was created uh, kind of to be the wife of someone who thinks he's not going to find anyone and he wants to bring over a quote-unquote wife into America so he has someone make him one who will be obedient and curious and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, That's and then uh, uh, so the golem is created and she like very small spoilers like she gets separated from this master and then she has to like build her own life in new york not really knowing anything and being a brand new like thing and like it's very based on folklore so golems are supposed to be kind of like very um strong beings who are meant to be kind of told what to do at all times and so there's a lot of like push and pull from there and then there's also this jinn who um is like awakened out of um, a vessel after thousands of years in New York and him like, and he has tied to this like iron chain around his wrist where he is not free. And so it's kind of about them finding their own way. And it's like a very, it's a very, it's a chunk of a novel. Um, I read it for my book club and it's very much about like nature versus nurture and like kind of like what makes a person good versus bad and like selfish versus like, you know, willing to be there for others and it's like a very well done novel um it's super fascinating it's really well done i really enjoyed this novel i gave it five stars um i thought it was just like the history is amazing it took this person many years to write it you could tell she did her homework onto like the different facets that she did a deep dive on the two characters were really good foils for one another like with 
you know, how they go throughout the world and how they view mm-hmm. the world. Um, and it was just very interesting to see, like, you know, um, he is a Syrian man or he like holds himself out to be a Syrian man and how he was able to interact with the world in 1899 versus how a golem will do it, even though there are like beings who have control over, you know, all of their surroundings, sure. what it means to be a woman versus a man and all of those things. And so it's just like, it was a very beautiful novel. It's so well-written. It was like beautiful imagery. Great. Uh, and I, I really liked it a lot. There are some like clunkier parts where it's like, why is this plot here? But like, I'm okay with it because I really enjoyed this book. Sure. Uh, the one thing I will say is like, you mentioned it to me when you told me, you were like, oh, I bought that book and the sequel. My first thought was there's a sequel. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, I don't think I want to read the sequel. Uh, Interesting. So the book. Five star feels- book. You enjoyed it so much, but you don't want to continue on. I don't think I want to, I don't think, I think it will be diminishing returns. Like for how thick these books are, the book feels like it's almost a standalone, like beautiful, well done on its own. I can see that, like not wanting to ruin it. Yeah. Like I kind of, like it has this like a little bit, like it leaves some unanswered questions, but I had very little interest in how some of those questions would be answered. Like I was like, oh, I love that they're unanswered. I love that they're just Mm -hmm. out in the open, just being themselves. Uh, and I don't really need a second book to tell me what's going on. There's actually a third book coming out. And again, just don't really feel like it. Like I so just, how many are in the series? I'm actually looking at a Goodreads. I can so she's that. writing the third book right now. And is that the final? It's just going to be a trilogy. I have no idea. Like I, it feels like it was meant to be a standalone originally. And then she had like an idea to continue it on. So she did. But it's one of the those spacing like, between them is huge. Yeah, the spacing between them is huge. She's had children in between. She said a life in between. She was like, "Oh, I just came back to it. I had another idea, so I continued with it." And it's like, that's great. I don't think I need it. Like, I wasn't think, necessary. I think I'm just okay. Like, I think it's beautiful, mm-hmm. great, happy to have it. But like, mm, like I, I, we, one of the people in my book club has read the second book. She's like, "Oh yeah, it dives a bit more into this type, of, this part of the book," and I was like. Oh, I didn't really care about that. And it's like, oh, okay. it opens this character up. And I was like, I didn't really care about her. <laughs> and so it was like the parts of the novel that like could be expanded on technically apparently do get expanded upon. But I was like, oh, did they need that? Like, weren't they just fine as they were? Um, so, you know, it's fine. But I loved this book so much. I think I'm okay. <laughs> sure. Sometimes like to I get that. Yeah. That's also I love like a lot of people love the um Elena Ferrante series, the My Brilliant Friend series. And I've read those and those are really good, but they're so thick that sometimes it's like, wow, this is a deeply historical novel that I just read 500 pages of. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me I get three more of those. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes you do just read a book though, and you're like, this was great. And then you hear about like, oh, they're coming out with another one. And you're like, but this was fine on its own. We don't need any more. This doesn't need to be a series. And I think maybe we push authors a little bit hard sometimes to continue on with a series Uh when it's just like, no, we need you to write other things, follow another passion if you want to. Like, don't feel like you have to be stuck on this one thing. Right. It's just, it's not necessary. You could you could I could be done like I could be done it's fine it's I'm sure it's great she's a great not like novelist she's very talented but I would rather pick up a different book of hers than read a continuation of the same story it just felt like these characters were kind of done 
Except um, for Jim Butcher, we I guess need him to continue on right about Harry Copperfield Dresden until he dies. Keep going on and on and on, apparently. So um, right four thousand books, Jim Butcher within uh-huh. this one series. And then, you know, for watching, um, I'm still watching Taskmaster. I'm on season seven, I think. Um you and I watched some clips, or I know I'm on season six. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I watched some clips of this particular season of Taskmaster. Uh, it's the and the like weirdly enough, like I was like, Oh, I haven't seen this episode yet. That's really upsetting. The lady who makes the one guy sit on a cake, <laughs> I haven't had to watch that happen yet. Outside like that of that one experience. She is my favorite character. Oh, really? She, like she, I mean, she's not a character. She's a real person. Like this is a reality TV show. Sure, sure. She is the most delightful person to watch do Taskmaster. Like they have a <laughs> in the series, like it's episode one, so I'm not ruining anything. But they have a task where they like put them. They probably blindfold them, but they put them in like a cupboard, and they have to like come out and find their way home, and like kiss a picture of the taskmaster like closest to 20 minutes and she's just walking around the area going oh this is just a lovely day it's just so lovely up it's, it's such an, it's so nice and she, and she's like i just love this task and so they like pull back to That's her in the weird. studio and she was like it was just so brilliant i was having the best time and they're like She's just having herself a walk. <laughs> she's just walking around the area. And you know what? I can appreciate someone who just enjoys life that much. Right? They're just like, you know what? This is a great day. How and wonderful. It's, it's so, and there's like a task where they have to do it as a group. And they're like trying to figure out like, it's like you have to find the link and then do the link a hundred times, you know? And she's with these two men and they're sitting there going like, there's a, and I'm going to ruin a little bit of Taskmaster, but like, they're like, there's a H, there's a H. What does that mean? What's that mean? And she looks out and she goes, there's a hops. I think we're supposed to hop. <laughs> and they're not listening to her. And so she just is in the background with these two men, like, there's an H. What, what else? And she just starts hopping. She does it a hundred times. And the guy blows the whistle. And she's like, what time? And they're all like, what a scathing indictment of the world that women must That's live strange. in. <laughs> She's just sitting there like, she solved it. It's great. He's like, in under a minute, she knew exactly what they were right. supposed to do. And everyone and, ignored her. And everyone ignored her. And so she was finally like, just do it myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. I just, it's it's a very good season. Um, I, And there's like one guy in it where you're watching him and it's like, I keep saying, I really want to dislike this man. Like, he seems like I would hate him in real life. He kind of seems mm-hmm. like one of those, like, a little bit of macho man or, like, you know. But I'm so charmed by him in every task because every time you think he's going to be kind of a jerk, he's just the nicest person. And it's like, I don't oh, I think, Well, that's good. I think we're right. But I think also, like, he's not bad. Like, <laughs> so that's fun sure. to watch. So um, overall, you know, just having a fun time. But oh, um, good. Yeah, so I've been watching Taskmaster, and I continue to watch Psych. We've been in a huge Psych kick. Um, some episodes do not hold up well at all. Um, <laughs> you're um, you're on a kick of. <laughs> I'm just watching well, just, episodes. Lots of shows do not hold up. 
Uh, yeah, and but like was John Cassel Cena was before. in the last uh, episode. Like, and I'm like, what is John Cena doing? John Cena here? does all sorts of random things. I know, and he's playing the brother of a character where it's like you two shouldn't exist in the same family, and like Ugh. John Cena shouldn't exist in this universe. Like, what are you doing, sir? Um, so yeah, like I mean, it shows from the early 2000s. I'm also still watching Ugly Betty, and there are so many moments where I'm like, wow, rough crowd. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know what what you gonna do so uh but yeah that's what i'm reading watching and or enjoying so shall we it. dive into the characters and themes of legend born yes some characters who do not hold up but because they're terrible and you know what exist there's there's a bunch of characters that i feel like we just get brief Mm-hmm. of and then we kind of just we like tap in and then tap out on them and i think that several of them are just bad <laughs> like, i mean are, isn't a character just internalized and externalized racism and all of these characters are just that like yes like tor uh, russ like all these characters they're very much the like some of them are various shades of well-meaning white people who have internalized racism mm-hmm. where it's like we're totally fine with you as long as, as you're not in charge uh, yeah the long as long as you're just the squire to the guy who's in charge where you're always going to defer to them and you guys are just a quote-unquote partnership but he's in charge yeah and we're totally comfortable with that until you question your place and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's we were born for this we have a right to it you weren't and trained you don't you don't deserve this and it's all just a whole lot of bullshit because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, you guys were all born into roles. You didn't do yes. anything to deserve them. You just happened to be born with this lineage or whatever. But you think you deserve it because you were, quote, unquote, because you had the had the privilege, privilege of, being, of being trained in these like, communities. Yes. And so when someone else comes in and they're like, hey. Yes, I have the same birthright. Mine came through different ways, but you should mm-hmm. still respect them. All of a sudden, it's like, well, then we have to rethink birthright. And yeah. they they want to change the rules. And we want to change the rules because mm-hmm. we don't like how the rules work now. Yes, because they don't work for us. And mm-hmm. that also shows itself when she's talking about like what they did to, and again, like this book is purposely very much like rich white people. And then other people, like uh, like her yeah. friend um, and Brie, um, Alice, I think is the friend's name. I'm so yes, sorry. Alice. Al- Alice, Brie, like those people are like purposely not white for very specific reasons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and white people. So like it's very based on white people's view of the world <laughs> and being yes. like, well, we want the rules when they work for us but the second you put us out of our comfort zone that's a problem and that's something that we should and like because it's a white person novel you also have the flavor of like well because they never even considered racial diversity uh they have to talk about how the fact that like oh yeah a lot of oldest daughters got murdered for a while because you couldn't have a white woman in power either and now these white women are in power and then you have the intersectionality part of it where it's like, well, these white women are also oppressors because, again, you walk through a door and you shut it after you. So everyone yep. else is on the other side. Which is completely evident in what's his name's mom. Uh, yes. That shows up and is 
quote unquote nice to an extent, and then she becomes literally violent when she finds out that Bree is going to be the squire to Nick. Which is also a huge complaint that like a lot of people of color have about white people, where it's like, I'm always constantly afraid of a white person because you guys have the ability to become violent. And mm -hmm. that is shown in this book in very like literal terms where like free isn't a group of white people and all of a sudden people are ready to tear her apart. Yes. Because they feel she doesn't have a right to be in the room. I, th I think a big thing that I take away from this book is that it's very much about Bree's experience being like othered. You know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. she's within a group of white people all the time and she's constantly treated as other right. by them. Mm -hmm. And how she has to really, even when she doesn't realize it, she's protecting her own emotions and her own well-being by trying to get herself into a place of safety by controlling what she says like mm -hmm. who she's around what she's going to be doing next and a lot of it is unconscious that she's just had to grow up like this but right. i i think it's interesting throughout most of this book that she's doing these things to it's it's a preservation yeah. of herself and she's doing these things to take care of herself and to keep herself safe and especially in like those situations where we don't see her often like talk back about mm -hmm. some of the things that happen but she does some but i think you can look at some of these situations and say like well why wouldn't she you know react to that or whatever and it's like who does she have there to help her who does mm -hmm. she have on her side what does she, what grounds does she have to be able to like go for someone when they're all opposing her right you know it, it's a safety issue for her and obviously the arguments against her are completely unfounded right but she has to look out for herself mm -hmm. and i i just think it's really interesting though that like even in the situations where she's not necessarily like trying to like avoid things or whatever she's still unconsciously like looking out for her well-being right i also think it's interesting brie as a character is very interesting because she is coming from the south in america which is its own cultural landscape and a huge part of this book is her dad talking about how she hasn't had community very much uh, mm -hmm. Which is like a realistic view for a lot of people who yep. like in certain circumstances didn't get to be part of, you know, a, like a black community. And he's like, well, now well, that I think going you and I both know, like within our own communities growing up that they were predominantly white and we mm -hmm. would make like I remember in high school, there was one kid who was black, only yep. one. And I'm sure you had like a similar experience. And well, I told remember my freaking school that had like 70 like it had 200 people and we did a thing of oklahoma and we mm -hmm. cast the one black kid we had as the farm hand in oklahoma oh, gosh. and remember it was like yeah we all thought that was a bad take and you were like i literally saw that musical and we all talked about how you guys mm -hmm. did that and it was like yeah, yeah because it's inappropriate because there's one black student so what yeah. were what was the school thinking like yeah yeah and and it's just like things like that where it's like 
it's hard it's so hard to think about like growing up in a community like that is just one situation that would have mm-hmm. happened to that person but just think about like growing up in a community where you are the only person mm-hmm. who can know about your own experience and the things that you're dealing with and so i think that yeah we're getting a lot of that that brie has grown up like that yes. and then she's going into a college that is like that where all of these people they like brie's the only black person she know they know yeah. and she's dealing with a lot of that a lot even, of racism like, just like not even mm-hmm. internalized like it's external yeah. racism that she has to put up with and mm-hmm. like to the point where even like Alice, her f- best friend, has reactions that don't always seem like legitimate mm-hmm. when considering like all of Bree's background or all of you know like it feels like Bree has a lot of people like who quote unquote don't see race around her where they're yeah. like oh we just love you who you are but like they're not seeing like Nick's actions he often puts Bree in danger because mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to understand the realities of who he Bri doesn't rec- he he doesn't recognize his own privilege is what mm-hmm. a lot of it is and he, like he's had moments in the book where he'll say just do this or just do that and she's like yeah I literally can't do that like yeah. you don't understand you have Hannah you and I know as just like women there are certain things that we are unable to do in certain mm-hmm. spaces but that men can do yes and this week my fiance and i were talking and i was like i love your audacity as a white man that you get to sit in a meeting and say that out loud because <laughs> like a woman would not be able to but yeah i i think there are so many of those moments and hannah you and i can't relate to being a person of color no. but i think we can recognize that there are so many experiences that people of color have that we cannot understand right and we can just accept that that is the reality and make sure that we're mm-hmm. like trying to be there in any way we can. And that's the thing. Trying to be feel. supportive and also to keep people safe. Yes. And that is like the most frustrating parts of this novel where you know that like we kind of said we do not see Nick as a viable love interest. No. Because he does not seem to know his own privilege and he will not keep her safe. And that is not good for a long-term relationship where like if Brie were in a better place she may see some of his actions for how mm-hmm. wrong they are um Brie but... as a character i think is really great yes. i she's obviously both of our favorite characters <laughs> i mean she's the main character and everyone yeah. else around her like she does frustrating things but she does frustrating things that you're like yeah she's a teenager and she's grieving <laughs> but like so much of it is just like it makes sense and it's relatable yeah. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I think the other big portion of this novel is the grief that surrounds yes. Brie. And it's interesting and also frustrating to see the ways that the other characters deal with her handling her grief mm-hmm. and how they want to rush the process and how they're not as understanding mm-hmm. and how there are misguided attempts to either sympathize or empathize or to try and help her cope and I really think it's an interesting depiction of a person trying to go through the process of understanding their grief. Right. And like, as someone who can speak to grief of losing a mom, um, I can't speak to being a teenager who lost it. And I always say that like losing a parent is a uniquely awful experience that is unique to each person. Um, but once you're in the club, you kind of have some kind of community around it. And again, Brie doesn't have that community. Like 
which mm-hmm. is probably why she has that weird connection to Cell or Nick, where they both are people who do not have their mothers. And mm-hmm. there is that kind of, well, at least we understand each other on this level. Yeah. Like, it boggles my mind every time someone's like, well, you lost your mom three months. And this book has so many good ties to, like, reality that, like, it's frustrating for me as someone who has grieved for the loss of a parent that they were incredibly close with to hear someone say, like, it's been three months. Right. And you're just like, wow, I remember where I was at three months. I remember crying to Veronica on Marco Polo and, like, sobbing to the point of not being able to be heard because Veronica knew something of what I was feeling. And Mm -hmm. she was the only person I felt comfortable talking to or just like the grief of just not having a person in your life is like an insurmountable thing. And to hear people like invalidate it, it's like, yeah, people do that with parents because there is that weird like, well, yeah, you lost your parent, but like everyone loses their parent. It's like, Mm -hmm. but you don't lose them at age 16. Like you don't lose them and have to watch your dad grieve their spouse. Like it's It's a much different experience to be someone that's like, 60 and yes. loses a 90 year old parent exactly where it's just like i like i always said when i lost my mom like that first year i was like i will forever be a woman who lost her mother in her 20s like and i was 29 mm-hmm. but like that's still true like i will always know what it was like to grieve a mom when you sure. shouldn't have to like i talk about it all the time like i just sobbed this week about like my mom not being able to try on wedding dresses with me mm-hmm. like those are just moments that like the pain is just as sharp yep. as it was before and it's uniquely terrible and like mm-hmm. watching a teenager struggle with that is a very interesting thing that tracy dion does so well yes. and Brie is a very dynamic character because she could do that, which is why I like, uh, I really didn't like Patricia. (laughs) She was a terrible therapist for a teenager grieving. Like, and I think that's interesting because I've seen a couple people on Instagram that said they really liked Patricia. Uh, I did not. Where they were like, Patricia and Brie are the only characters I trust. And I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Side eye to Patricia. I I trust no one. This is it, this is also a huge theme that happens in this book, but happens in a lot of books. It's like people who love therapists but don't always understand like what therapists are approved for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> therapists are licensed to treat you in a certain way that is appropriate. Like it's like any storyline in a TV show where you see a therapist like start a relationship with their client. Mm-hmm. That therapist lost their license. Yes, you're not allowed to do that. You're it's illegal. It's it's literally like it goes against their barred license for them to do that. They would lose their license. Same with uh, attorneys. They're not supposed to date their clients. Like Mm -hmm. you should lose your license, especially if you're like one on one attorney and there's no like any. Right. No third party. So that's just it's not good and i understand that like i think patricia means well but i hated her as a therapist character yes because there's never any therapy yes i like patricia from the standpoint of her being someone that was able to provide a small community for yes because she finally felt like she was in a safe space with people who understood her own experience mm-hmm. when she was with Patricia and I can't remember the other character's name. Meredith? Or no, no. I forget. I'm so was, sorry. There are so many names. She was the one that was able to like connect with dead people. Yes. Um she was the other medium. Yes. Um but yeah, I like 
Patricia from that aspect. I also like that she gave us some more like background on Rootcraft. Yes. I thought that was good. But I completely agree with you, Hannah, that from like a therapy standpoint, she was not the right therapist. And she's definitely like, I, I feel like, especially in this type of situation, she needs to kind of let Brie guide how the healing is going to go. Yes. And she was maybe expecting something different out of this. Right. Weirdly. And then <laughs> also trying to incorporate things into the sessions that were not appropriate right. and not her place to do so. And also just kind of, kind of like directing, I, I guess I'm getting back to my initial point, was that she's more so directing this in a way that she wants the conversation to go and to what points they should be talking about, which was like right. more interest in like her powers and stuff like that. And then when it came back to like, no, I kind of needed to talk about my loss my of dead my mother. And she's like, I it's can't. Like, you had way like, too much no, grief when it came like, to that. I, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I don't think that you're a good client. Like, <laughs> what? what are you talking about? It, yeah, that part was, I do, I liked her as a character. I would have liked her if she was like a professor that she just got a yeah. connection to when there wasn't that weird. Yes, I think that that would be better, honestly, mm -hmm. if she was a professor or like some kind of like guidance counselor or something like, maybe not yes. guidance counselor even, but someone I mean, who's not a guidance therapist. counselor is not like a person who's supposed to be like, hey, I'm helping your mental health yes. journey. Like, yeah, it's just, it's the weird like therapist. This is what you are licensed to Yeah, I to think that that aspect. title as therapist, if you remove that from the story and give her a different title, no Patricia becomes much less problematic. Yeah, she becomes so much less problematic because it's not like, well, I have to fire you as a client because I didn't realize you were grieving. <laughs> Yeah. What are you doing? If she if she was a guidance counselor, it'd be like, yeah, I I don't think we should spend time to, together anymore because I didn't realize you were going through all these things. And it's like, right. oh, okay, that's fair. Like, I, and like, yeah, the guidance counselor being like, I need to sign you up with someone else because like a guidance counselor is not for your mental health journey. Yes. Or like, and guess what? Therapists do fire their clients sometimes if they're like, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm the person to help you. But Patricia cross lines. It wasn't yeah. Bree crossing those lines. Bree is sixteen. Like, yeah. No. So I really, I did like Patricia as like. I also kind of question like why her dad waited for that opportunity to get her in therapy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's been three me, months. So <laughs> like, I feel like he waited for a weird opportunity. I get that he is also grieving and going through a lot. And it's mentioned in the book that like, it's difficult for Brie to even handle a lot of what he's going through because he kind of wants her to be like a sounding board for him. Yeah. And that's really hard for her because she's like, I'm a teenager. I can't deal with I all of this. this. No. And yeah. So that's a lot to put on a child. But I, I just find the timing of it to be a little strange where it's like, why would you wait for all these things to be piling up at one moment here? Mm -hmm. And to be like, you know what? We're going to get you in therapy right now. You've been at school for three days and you had two incidents in three days that don't make a lot of sense, but it sounds like you're going to be in big trouble. So I'm going to get you in therapy. And yeah, I, I just felt like the timing of it was weird. It's so funny, but like this took place over the course of two weeks. That is the yes funniest part of this and it never stops being funny like she is now i mean i don't think it's that funny i don't like it 
I I would have much preferred if this book took place over. We talked about this last time. It would have been it better if this be a took semester. place over a semester. It needs to be at least a semester. She's not in love with Nick, ma'am. You do not know his favorite color. Like you do. How not many know- middle grade books are there where it starts <laughs> off like the beginning of the school year and it ends at the end of the school year? Right. And then we have the summer off. And then when we come back, we're like recapping everything that happened in the previous school year while they're getting ready to go back so, to school. Like Nick literally turned back into the fold of this secret society, mm-hmm. had a better relationship with his dad, then all of a sudden was kidnapped by his father. It's been two weeks. Like, yes, it's mind boggling thinking of where people started out to where people ended based on the well, timeline and, of this yeah, book. Exactly. The timeline is what makes it less believable. Right. If you have this stretched out over a longer period of time it's a lot easier to believe that there's ups and downs in his relationship with his dad yes. because it's like okay it's been months they had some time to restore the relationship through his this dad's because, a dick fine we yeah can and then that. Like, and then we find out oh wait nothing ever changed there it was just one-sided and he manipulated him okay yeah also the amount of like gates opening it's like yeah of course you guys think it's the end of the world it feels like the end of the world like yeah, if it's that happening many instantly had a close cataclysmic events happened within just a few days everyone would be really scared like trying to figure out what's going on here right like it's so strange i don't i cannot believe it's been two weeks like what the fuck well and and i had made the comment to you but they're in love because (laughs) that is hard for me to believe too even if these are like you know like 16 to 18 year olds like no it's still hard for me to believe that I'm giving teenagers the utmost credit here in thinking that they are not going to be, after a week of knowing someone, in love. I have gotten huge crushes on people after a week. I've never fallen in love as a teenager. You've never been like, well, Nick loves you. That's why we're in a situation here. It's like, what? (laughs) Sorry. And like, but like, that happened with you once for someone. You were like, oh, we've been friends for a while. Let's start dating. And they were like, I'm in love with you. And you were like, no, you're not. Yep. Like, calm down. What? Right. I, uh, I just, I, the <sighs> fact that these two people are in love in high school, it's not true. You're not in love. He's just a man. Like, right. he's just a man. And you're already like looking at Sal and being like, I feel his eyes on me. He's mm-hmm. just so dark, but he's and connected I smell his to soap. Nick. And I smell his soap and he just smells like whiskey. And couldn't you get drunk off him? Like, like, okay. Uh, also, I just, I really, really dislike the theme of like, he's so dark and broody, but because it's because he's a tortured soul. Like, it's never appropriate for a tortured soul to scream and berate you. Like, yeah. And <sighs> I think we've talked about this with multiple characters. This is a thing that happens all the time where there's like a broody character or like a guy that we're supposed to like rally around. And because he has some quote unquote moral high ground or he has like some kind of power that other people don't have any he, or he's like really good at something and it's like one of those three things usually but mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to get on board with like being a fan of that character right. when it's like they're treating other people terribly like no you you can't do that it's not an excuse you can't just yeah it's really difficult for me right but yeah Bree's obviously our favorite character what did you think she's the best we do not like nick too much we're ready for him to move on nick is Um, so boring he's just boring like i don't 
I don't care. Uh, like, I'm sorry your and mommy this does is also not remember like, you. Like, that sounds awful. He sounds like he had a horrible life. But yeah. even Nick doesn't, like, Nick still drinks all the freaking Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the first to be like, well, of course I'm going to come back. Like, this was all based on a farce. And I do love that. I love a guy who was like, yeah, all of my threats were meaningless. Like, great. Yeah. Good. Not enough people admit that they're just being rebellious teenagers. But like, I do love that like Dion made enough of a connection to be like, it doesn't really matter if I rebel. The like likelihood of me becoming Arthur are, is so slim. Like, why would it ever happen? Sure. And then like the stuff hits the fan, and you're like, oh, I guess I have to follow through now because like I technically don't get a choice, so I might as well show up for my friends and be there. Mm-hmm. Great. He's loyal to his friends. I do wonder like. What was Nick doing for the couple of years when he was rebelling? Like, what right. what was going on? What did that entail? Did you, did you have other friends? Were you just hanging out around all of the same people all the time? All these yes people who were still obsessed with you? Because, like, then absolutely you are still kind was. of the worst. Like, Absolutely <laughs> he was. There's no part of me that thinks he wasn't still just, like, hanging out with these people. He just thought he was rebelling not by going him. to that house. Yeah, like, no, you're still around all the people who worshipped you. You're still around all these yes people. And, like, you are terrible to sell in ways that are also not okay. Yes. Like, sell cannot hit you back. So to take advantage of that is entirely inappropriate and a huge red flag. Like, yes. you wanting Bree to sign up as your squire, it's still a power dynamic that will be mm-hmm. put in place that puts her at a disadvantage at an already disadvantaged, like, place. And to do that is kind of selfish of you. Like, It'll be interesting to see, like, going into the next book, how Bree and Nick's relationship is, because I can see him struggling with the fact that she is Arthur and Mm -hmm. the one in charge and not him. Just so boring. Like, what does this man do at all? You and I do not like this type of person in general, so (laughs) I think that it's hard for us to be like, oh, yay, Nick. Because you and I are not drawn to that type of person. Yeah. So, the best thing I can say about him is yeah. he really we don't, we don't loves like a, Brie. <laughs> we don't like a privileged puppy dog guy. No. So. But I also hate Cell. Like, Cell, I at least have an excuse for where I'm like, I don't think you I don't think you're necessarily a bad person, but also I kind of do. Like, ah, I'm so conflicted. I kind he, of think that there's some bad moments. I will say that Cell has a lot of like moments in the book where I'm like, Okay, that was funny. Yes. And there's a, a few more moments where I'm like, I see more compatibility between yes. Cell and Brie than I do Nick and Brie. I'm still team no one if it, if it we're like oh, high school absolutely. girls picking a team. Like, Can it be Brie choosing away? herself? Like, right. Like team absolutely. Brie. <laughs> like, I just, I don't get Cell. But it's definitely 20s. a YA novel where it's, it's setting up to be one uh, or the other. I hope not. But yeah, I get it. It's just like, I'm kind of sick of seeing boys who treat girls badly where it's like, well, he was just yes. drunk. And it's like, well, let's not teach girls going into college right. that a man is allowed to be mean to you when he's drinking. Like, no, right. you're not allowed to do that. Uh, you're not allowed to speak to her that way, even if you think she's an evil creature. Like, mm-hmm. if you're wrong, she's still a person who is at a disadvantage by being the only Black woman in the room. Uh, you can't act that way, even though you're... Right treated poorly like that's not okay it's just that's the oppression olympics at that point and it's not okay exactly um so yeah cell i think i yeah i have such a hard time talking about cell because you're supposed to find like 
he has a tragic backstory. He mm-hmm. was ripped out of his mom's like hands. But like the the bummer part about Cell is like anytime you're talking about what you feel bad about, it's what people are doing to him. Mm-hmm. His reactions are still not okay. Like right. so the way he's treated is not okay. It's never okay. The way he was birthed was not okay. His mom mm-hmm. was imprisoned until she could breed. Yeah, that uh, was sickening. Says a lot about this community of people that they see that as an appropriate reaction of like, mm-hmm. well, she's so powerful, let's breed her. Um, mm-hmm. That again is chattel slavery, pretty much. Um, that's like a lot of the precepts of chattel slavery is what I mean. But like, that's right. it's gross, it's disgusting. We can all admit that. And like, Cell doesn't have a lot of his own agency. Those are all mm-hmm. very tragic. But because we mostly see him interacting with a person who is in a different power dynamic until the very end of the book, it's not a good look that he's also reactionary and terrible. And that's the problem. Right. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think you really nailed it on that one. Yeah. So I just have a lot of thoughts on that guy. But I do want to turn it back a little bit to another theme of this, which is sure. the uniqueness of Bree's powers and what that says. Because I think that there's a mm-hmm. lot to be said that Bree's root magic makes her a better incarnation of Arthur. Because they often, in the final sections of this book, they talk about the fact that Arthur is able to speak through her. And there is like that push and pull of like, she obviously wants to gain control in the future if he gets called out because she doesn't like that he's able to speak through her. But they talk about how unique it is that she can interact with Arthur, how like Arthur is not usually like that with a lot of the other people. And like, it makes her a more effective Arthur in some ways because he's able to like take knowledge and she's able to see it and understand it in a way that they haven't yet. And I really like that that comes from her root magic because there's mm-hmm. also the, uh, there's like the other side of that coin where it's like, well, her power, her power comes from pain from her mm-hmm. ancestry because, you know, of what happened to her ancestor to in, like enable Arthur to be put inside her, you know, in this future yes. incarnation. And that is painful and it is hard just to come to terms with that. And that is unfair but it's actually her ancestry to, you know, like her power as a black woman that makes her inherently more valuable as Brie. Um, yes. More so than any of the other characters who are only powerful because of the white men that are locked into them. And well, I and it's explained like that. too that there's a big difference between the way that the root magic works versus mm-hmm. the way that the people in the society, like, use their power where it's just a taking of power versus kind of a sharing of power from the ancestors and how much they will give to the people who have root magic and you and i also talk about this in themes of other fantasy novels we've read where it's like sometimes when men write about women uh it's all about like well women if they were as powerful as men would just want the same powers that men have and it's like mm-hmm. no nope, women are different people so yep. our goals may be different i like that tracy dion creates a magical system uh that is purely based on like a black culture that is like mm-hmm. no it's conversation and it's ancestry and it's a discussion of like what we lose when we don't have our full ancestry yes. And that's beautiful and it's complicated and it is not based on white beliefs of what makes power. Absolutely. Um, 
And I, I love that. And I think it's fascinating. And I just, I love seeing that because like, it's our biggest thing of like reading white male authors sometimes sucks Mm -hmm. because you're just reading a white male view of the world and how it works instead of this power's always right there. Mm -hmm. And it's the whole like, and it's almost, it's a good perspective of it, of like, you have these people who, uh, tie themselves to the men that come before them mm-hmm. and they tie themselves to that power and they keep it continuing instead of just appreciating where they came from and having it be a conversation of yes. that's what makes me powerful is and also able. just a feeling of being entitled to this yes. power mm-hmm. versus being appreciative of what your ancestors have gone ancestors have gone through and to respect and learn about their situations mm-hmm. the way that they all seem to do mm-hmm. and to you know kind of share with each other and benefit from past experiences exactly and so i really enjoy the power the way that tracy dion like talks about power and talks about this like these different types of things and even how like i like that she points out in this novel that like tying yourself to this entitlement of I'm going to keep this power because I was get you know, because my ancestor had it and now I will keep it with me and I will mm-hmm. use it. And she's like, that doesn't make you more powerful. Karma will come to get you at some point. And it's like, yeah, right. that is probably very true. And like, I, I just appreciate all those times where she's building that type of like power system and structure in the different types of power we see. Absolutely. Completely agree. This is such a well-written book that I I feel like a lot of this is kind of like sneakily put in here, if that makes sense. Because Mm -hmm. it's, you and I have said before, like, this book should be like required reading in schools because it's so deep and has all these kind of hidden themes and messages that need to be discussed by people of all ages, really. And Tracy Dan does a wonderful job bringing these things in while also making a really interesting fantasy story yes like all these things are prevalent here but there's also just a really interesting fantasy story that's happening you and i got confused but we get confused by all fantasy mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so this is it's not unique to this book but it's something that i think we need to be having more people read because it's an accessible way to kind of open people up to being under more understanding of the experiences of others mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that this is the be all end all like everyone should read this book and then racism is cured like that's not how <laughs> that's not but how that is what she's saying no <laughs> but that is it no. <laughs> that's not it at all but right. i do think that it's a good opportunity for people to read a book like this and to be more understanding of the situations that other people are going through and how you can be that well-meaning person or have that internalized racism or sexism or any kind of phobia that there could be and not realize it and need to do a little work to recognize the struggles that other people are going through and check your privilege so these are all important things Another thing I just wanted to point out, we said it before, but Tracy Dion does a great job of writing characters for the ages that they are and also yes. just like writing characters for the situations that they are in. Mm-hmm. Because like even the 
privileged white lady and Nick's dad, they make complete sense the way that they react yeah. to things. And it's completely believable. The kids of their ages, they say things that kids their age would say. It's never a situation where I'm reading something and I'm like, a teenager would never say that. Like, Right? Like, yeah. Because I do read YA books where I'm like, okay, that sounds very adult for a teenager to say. Uh, yeah, I think Dion I do does like a great a job at that. And I, I and I think she writes good friendships and she writes good like yes. she also writes good like high Believable school friendships. relationships. Yes. Cause like they fall in love too fast. But I do appreciate mm -hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, you do meet people in high school where you're like, we're best friends. And then a semester mm -hmm. later you're like, I cannot stand that person. Why yep. did I like them? And it's like, yeah, because when you first try to meet people and you get introduced to these like places, you're like, oh, perfect. I fit in here. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then you find out later, like, nope, these are not my people that I'm not safe here. Yep. And I do feel like Brie kind of has to be put through the ringer on that. Uh, Unfortunately, and has, yeah. Yes. And then she has to like learn and relearn those things, which is also very high school to have to learn mm -hmm. something and then be like, but maybe. And it's like, no, ma'am. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah, any other thoughts? No, I don't think I have any others. I think I, I feel pretty solid on this. Do you have any other thoughts? I, I don't think there's a lot of depth to go into on the characters, really, because like like we said, like even the ones that we get to see, like Sarah and Tor or whatever, it's just like kind of in and out with yeah. them. We don't get a lot of depth. We just get kind of glimpses into their characters. A lot yeah, of them I... are horny. So, uh, Tor is going to be terrible because in the final one, she's like, well, I'm third in line, so I'm in charge. Oh, and they're all like, you're literally not. And it's just like, but she doesn't deserve I got the door, it. Tor. <laughs> I got the door, Tor. I got the door, Tor. <laughs> I'm popular to boot. I'm bitching. <laughs> Great hair. The boys all love to stare. Just I'm stare. on it. I'm hot. I'm everything. You're not. I'm pretty. I'm cool. I dominate the school. Who am I? I transferred from best? Los Angeles. Your school has no gymnastic team. This is the last, last resort. resort. <laughs> what Watched a weird... movie way too many times. Oh my gosh. What? There were so many lines, like even as a child, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Where it's like, Missy's the poo, so take a big whiff. It's like, no, okay, no. again with like teenagers no one being says written, that. like they're not teenagers. That line is the epitome of that. Yes. Where it's, Missy's the poo, so take a whiff. Like, yeah. <laughs> what was that? That um, movie needed Tracy Dion for so many reasons. Right? <laughs> like, that's not even scratching the surface of why we needed Tracy Dion to write that movie. Like, also a great movie about <laughs> internalized racism and oh, white women's feeling from black inner city areas yes. uh to become cool and award-winning yeah uh what a great movie that like as a child i was like oh no the main characters didn't uh, win and as an adult i'm like yeah they shouldn't have they won. shouldn't have won they stole they stole and they got to the nationals like on a technicality. No, mm -hmm. they shouldn't have won. Like, and so at the ending where she's like, you guys were better. And she's like, we really were. It's like, yeah, they really were. They were yes, better. Yes, they like, were better. <sighs> a weird time of our lives where it's like, let's not follow the actual heroes of that story. But they weren't Kirsten the Dunst. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought you meant the Kirsten Dunst. Was no, the hero. like let's not follow the yeah. heroes. Like the yeah, Gabrielle Union, Gabrielle Union, and the hero. Like the Clovers were the heroes. I know. And we instead followed Kirsten Dunst, and yeah, now and we get legend born. So her office awfulness. 
Oh. Oh, God. But yes, I don't know that there's much more to say that we haven't already said. And Let's bring it on. This um. <laughs> happens at such a fast pace that really the only characters I feel like you need to do any kind of like deep dive on into are Brie, Patricia, Selnick. Yeah, that's about it. Alice needs Patricia. to be a little more understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Patricia needs to just become a guidance counselor. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that, like... That's maybe the biggest change. The second biggest change that should have been made. Yes. The biggest change was stretch this out over yes. a larger period of time. And the third biggest change is do not make Cell verbally abusive. I'm, yes. Yeah, like don't do it. But a great but overall, book. really like this. I cannot wait for book two to see where we go. Um, we do have a break in the week, guys. Yes. Uh, we, you know, take breaks in between, in between each book, book. Um, to give us a little bit of breathing space. Um, yes. so, so we'll be back to Bloodmarked for a couple weeks. But we will be having a very special episode uh, with Namina Forna. Uh, <laughs> Namina Forna is an amazing author, also YA, uh, who wrote The Gilded Ones and The Merciless Ones. These and then are her new book, The Eternal Ones, is coming, is out, coming soon. out in February. So uh, we are having her on the pod to discuss uh, the first two books and to kind of highlight her third book coming out. We cannot wait for this episode to drop. Um, yes. We're very excited. And make sure you're picking up those books right now. They're really good. They're really good. Uh, like you had talked about this previously because you did a buddy read with Dylan of FTF. Yes. And you guys had the discussion of like, are these actually YA? And I think that's a valid discussion because there's a lot of things that happen in these that are very adult. Very and adult. Within the, the first the, chapter, you're like, whoa. Like, yes. Yes. And the uh, themes within those books are just boundless like there's so many different things to get into in terms of religion and patriarchy mm-hmm. and questioning societal roles like yes so many different things so join us for that author interview next week uh and then we will be doing our deep dive uh into bloodmarked book two in tracy yes. loans and also make sure that you are uh voting in our indie mission uh our indie Yay. mission announcement of authors i believe i'm that's earmarked for me to publish on wednesday um to kind of mark those books usually what we do is we draw names for 24 books to go head to head at this point because the list has gotten too long to just yeah. continue to go. we appreciate all these suggestions but yes. unfortunately we can't make a bracket that we, we can't make a bracket that big and i cannot make the voting go on for that long yeah um, so hannah just makes a like a wheel thing that she spins and it just randomly selects which ones are going to be on there. Exactly. So make sure you are voting in that. Look at the announcement for those. We're so excited as always to highlight these indie authors. Make sure you're picking up their books and reading them as well. We have some great bonus content coming for you in the future. So just keep an eye out for all of that as we kind of figure out our scheduling and everything uh, with the new year. We apologize for any like delays in that uh it takes a village and sometimes it takes us getting back into the swing of things in the new year we're getting organized and everything too so it's it's a labor of love but yeah we're we're trying to collaborate (laughs) with other parties and everything too so it's hard to you know get all these things right out there until they're kind of set in stone exactly but we do have some great bonus content coming out in the future um as just announced we are also seeing adrian gibson um, on our pod and 
March for his new indie uh, book that is being published in March. So make sure you stay tuned for Mushroom that Mushroom Blues. Well. Uh, we were very blessed to be part of the cover reveal for that. So Yay. make sure you're keeping an eye out for all of that wonderful content coming your way. Um, also, please make sure to tell a friend about us, you know, uh, this yes. is a labor of love and we love to join, have new people join the conversation. We usually get some people with each new series we do who are just like, oh, I've never heard your stuff, but I'm interested. So um, make sure you tell friends as we do Legend Born. It's a very new series for us. Uh, and make sure you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Uh, subscribe to us at Pod on all the platforms, including ourpod.com. Check out our Patreon. Uh, we have some bonus content coming up uh, in January. We are doing Friends Pitching, where we each pitch books or TV series that we think yes. the other should be watching. Uh, so lots of fun stuff over there as well. And just, you know, keep in touch. Join us on Discord. We Discord. love having People friends over talk there. To me. I'm talking to myself over there a lot of times. <laughs> I know I have yeah, a job so that unfortunately the, like the I'm sitting day. right next to my bo boss and I'm like I can't text on this as much so uh, <laughs> yes it was kind enough to talk with me the other day but we need some more people to we chat need with some us. fresh blood guys so head on over and check us out there and join us next week with our wonderful author interview with Namina Forna bye bye, bye.